All right, well, listen, welcome this morning to church. Welcome to New Life Church. Welcome to everybody online watching and uh, participating with us today. Uh, it's a joy and a privilege to be with you. It's so good to see all of you today. I think it's officially fall, y'all. I think it's here. Maybe it'll stick around and uh, won't jump back up to the 80s and 90s. We'll find out. You never know in West Tennessee, four seasons in one week, right? Uh, <laughs> sinuses are can attest to that as well. Um, well, listen, um, we are in a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called, uh, that we titled Living as the Joshua Generation. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles or uh, thumb to them on your smart devices. Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. And um, here at New Life, our, our vision, our mission is all about making Jesus and keeping Jesus at the center of our life, our church in our community, and uh, making him the, the greatest thing that people need to know about. And uh, that's what we aim to do. Listen, last week we were able to receive a love offering for disaster relief from Hurricane Ian down in Florida. Um, late this week, uh, or at, late at the end of the week, Friday or so, we were able to partner with another local church, uh, Cumberland First Baterian Church, here in Jackson, Pastor Terry Hunley, we were able to partner directly with them because they have a, uh, an, a, a semi-truck that they're loading this week of supplies that they have a church right in the middle of Fort Myers, Florida, that, we, uh, that they're able to send help and relief to. And so it's always nice when you can partner locally and be able to, to jump on that and, and, and do that. So I want to say thank you for those of you who were able to contribute to the disaster relief offering last week for that. And if you want to still give to that, I believe the portal is still open that you can give on our church center app or online, or you can give here in person today, mark it for that, and it goes to their church this week to, uh, to buy a variety of different resources uh, that people are in need of down there. So um, thank you for that. Listen, we're in Joshua chapter 1, and um, we the first two weeks ago we set this series up and uh, just kind of catch up. We're... The, right at the beginning where Joshua receives the reins of leadership to take over. A generation of Israelites had passed away. Moses, his mentor, his leader, had passed away, and Joshua was the man in charge. He was called upon to lead. And let's look at the first couple of verses just to remind ourselves of that. Joshua 1 verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And the Lord said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We ask that you would open your word to our lives today and let our lives be open to what your word is saying. Give us ears to hear, Lord, and hearts to understand. Lives, God, that just grasp this and hold it and embrace your word and take it for what it is. And you will lead us and guide us forward in the way you have called us to live and in the direction that you want our lives to go. We honor you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the time had come for Joshua to lead a new generation of Israelites 
into the promised land, to cross the Jordan River. It was a place of transition. It was a season of change. It was a time for a new beginning in their lives. And I believe there are various opportunities that God gives us and that He creates and that He sets up for us to accept that He wants to do new things, that He wants to create new beginnings, that He wants to bring a fresh thing into our life. And and last week, we spent some time in prayer last week, praying for a lot of folks here that were in service. And um, I just, since last week was the time that God just wanted to, just wanted to just reassure us that He was for us and that He was with us and that He's got us. And I've heard that kind of whisper in my spirit this week that God was just re- reminding me, hey, I've got you. I've got you, you know, and that's, that, that's so reassuring when you know God's hand is there. God's hand is there to help you, to hold you, to keep you, to guide you, then to do the things that God has commissioned us to do. And, and so Joshua found himself there at that place. His, he can no longer rely on Moses to pick up the slack. He can no longer ask, hey, Moses, what do you think? What, what, what's your perception here? It was all on Joshua and his leaders and to lead and to move forward into the promised land, to cross the Jordan River, to actually enter a, a time of life where everything was going to change and everything would be new, life would be fresh again. God was birthing a new thing. And I believe there, we're at a time, um, I, I sense that God is wanting to do new things in our life as well. And um, to not live afraid of this world, to not live discouraged because of what is going on in this world. I know if you listen and watch too much of the news, it can really start to irritate you and build fear at the same time. And depending on which thing you look at, which part you read, which part you listen to, you know, all there's there's all sorts of chaos in this world. In fact, it should not be a surprise to us. Because we're told in the New Testament that these times would come. They would be challenging. It would be dark. It would be chaotic. It would be confusing. Many who are part of the faith would leave the faith, as disheartening as that is. But at the same time, God is still faithful, and God is still good, and God is still on the throne. God's not knocked off the throne. In fact, He taught us to pray, as your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I believe there are some things, some new things, some fresh things uh, that God is wanting to do amongst his people. God wants to deposit and, 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 and bring forth in his church because the church is still called to be the light. We're still called to be the hope. We're still called to shine. We're still called to point people in the direction of Christ. We still have a calling. We still have a mission. We still have a purpose. We still have a life to live. We still have things God wants to do in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in our children, on our workplace, in our schools, wherever we might find ourselves. God wants to use your life. God wants to move in you. God wants to flow through you. God has created you and called you for such a time as this. And this is not a time to lay down. This is not a time to go to sleep. This is not a time to shrink back. This is a time to rise. This is the time to be who God has called us and created us to be. And we cannot allow the things in our life to to distract us and to get us down. We may go through it, we may experience it, and we may feel it. And that's where Joshua found himself. 
He watched a generation of his loved ones pass away who never saw and got to enter into the promised land. His leader, his mentor, his, his, his one that he called on him and trained him passed away, did not get to literally enter into the promised land. All those years spent. And now, Moses, and now Joshua was in a place where he was feeling the effects of life. But he knew I have a choice to make. I can stay, stay where I'm at. I can stop here, never go across. Or I can trust God. And that's what I want to talk to us about today is trusting God. In fact, I've titled today's message, I Will Trust God. How do we trust God? Joshua There's this interaction between he and the Lord at the beginning of this chapter we're going to go through where he did not ignore his feelings. He did not ignore his emotions. I think too many times Christians have been told, hey, you just need to suck it up. Don't worry about how you feel. Just trust God, Michael. Just trust God. Nothing wrong with the statement. But man, what does it do with how I really feel? I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm discouraged. I'm disheartened by what I see. My heart aches for the things that are happening in this world. And I think in that, Joshua was feeling that. But at the same time, God was reassuring him, hey, don't live that way. Don't let it overtake you. Don't let that become you. You can trust me. You can trust my goodness. You can trust my faithfulness. You can trust my hand on your life. Though scary in life, though discouraging in life, though you may be afraid in life, though you may feel what you feel in life, here's the reality. I want you to acknowledge that, but I want you to give all that to me and watch me build in you such strength and such courage. And that's what God told him three times. Be strong and courageous. In fact, God was just reiterating what Moses had told Joshua prior to his passing. Moses had told Joshua, you're going to be the one to lead. And I need to tell you this, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God is going to be with you. And then God has this visit with Joshua. He has this conversation with Joshua. And he lets him know three different times, hey, don't be afraid. But listen, when you are, you can trust me. And I'm going to build within you. I'm going to put within you such a strength and such a confidence. In fact, Paul says it kind of like this. When I am weak, I am strong. When I acknowledge my weakness as a human, as a person, my frailty to the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit goes into play and makes me strong. Christ is our cornerstone. He is our strength. So we're going to look at this. There's four areas that I want to point out today, four areas of trust that Joshua and the generation of Joshua would experience in order to cross over, to experience a new work of God, a fresh work of God, for the past to be over with, for the pain of the past to go away, and for God to birth a new beginning in their life. They had to trust God in these four areas. Let's look at it, verse 6, the first one. 
the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and courageous because you are the one who will lead. The first area of trust to live as the Joshua generation is this, be strong and courageous to trust God's calling. Trust God's calling. I've heard it said God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And you know what? I'll add to that. And he doesn't change his mind. And he doesn't change his mind. Romans eleven twenty nine tells us that the gifts and callings of God upon our life are without repentance. God doesn't decide, you know what? I don't think they should be able to do this anymore. I don't think they can have this anymore. God does not change his mind. In fact, as we yield our life to him, as we surrender our life to the Lord, God is the one who works it out for it to come to pass. Here's kind of what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. It's on the screen here. He says, Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve. He was getting to Timothy and letting him know, hey, Timothy, I don't deserve to do what I do. I was a blasphemer. I was a murderer. I I was violent in my religious beliefs. And I don't deserve to actually have compassion on people now. I don't deserve to tell people the good news. I don't deserve to travel and plant churches and do all these things with, with the church around the world. But he said, I, it's Christ who actually is, who is doing this in my life. He considered me trustworthy. If, if God worked the opposite... Paul would not be doing what he did. He would not have done what he did. He would not have written about two-thirds of the New Testament. In fact, most of us, if not all of us, would not be able to be trusted. Because, But God does qualify the called, and he doesn't change his mind. He, he wrote this in Ephesians 4. I've chosen the message translation for this. Check it out on the screen. It says, in light of all this, this is verse 1, Here's what I want you to do, Paul says. While I'm locked up here as a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. I want you to run on the road that God has called you to travel. Question, are you on the road? God called you to travel? Are you on that path that God has carved out for your life? Or are you on your own road? Or maybe you are you on someone else's expected road for you? You're just doing what everyone else thinks you should do. You're going the way everyone else wants you to go. Or are you on the road you know this is the path God has for me? And he goes on to say, And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. 
You were all called to travel on the same road in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. Here's a follow-up question. Are you trying to help others travel God's road? Not only are you looking at to travel God's road for your life, but are you helping others? You know, that's hard sometimes to try to help others travel God's road. Or do you live kind of with a tunnel vision mentality, only able to focus just on yourself and on your own life and on your own cares? God calls us to pay attention to other people. You know, it's, it's so easy in this day and time to just pay attention to ourselves. We, I mean, yeah, we, we all have, we each have our own share of issues. We each have our own share of burdens. We each have our own share of things that we're responsible for. And we can get so caught up, so wrapped up. And it's, and it's easy to do that. It's the easier road. It's the easier choice to shrink back from paying attention to what other people are doing and how God would call you to help others find their road for the Lord. But God, even when Paul was in prison, he took the time. He could have been like, oh, whiny, and oh, here's me, woe is me, here I am, a little Eeyore-type mentality, and everybody's against me, nobody loves me. If, it, you know, if God was for me, I wouldn't be locked up right now. If all of these things are against me, but Paul's like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this time, and I'm going to encourage the church at large. And he writes all of these prison epistles, and he writes them, and he tells them, look, I'm here but you're there, you have a chance to be everything God has called you to be, to travel the road God wants you to travel, but also to help others. We are always called to also help others travel their road. You know, here's the thing. When we trust God's call, we can trust God's care. When we trust God's call on our life to travel and to live the life he's called us to live, we can trust that he will also care for us. Paul wrote it this way in Romans 8, 28, that God works everything out for the good, for those who love God, and those who live called according to his purpose. You know, it may not always work out the way I want it to or the way you want it to, but as long as we love him and we stay committed to his calling on our life, he's going to always work it out for good. In some way, some fashion, somehow, doesn't mean we won't experience trouble or pain, but he will always bring healing. He will always bring the help. He will always bring what needs to be brought to our life to help us along the way. Because you know what? God wants us to get where he wants us to get more than we want to get to where God wants us to get. God wants us to get to where he wants us to get more than we even want to get there. And just think, if you have a big heart and a big desire to get where God wants you to get, multiply that by infinity, and that's how much God wants us to get there. That's how, that's how the work God has started in you, he will not, he will, he, he's going to continue it, and he's going to complete it until Christ comes back. He's going to always be working. He's going to always be moving. He's going to always be doing what God does because he wants us to get where he wants us to get more than we want to be there. And we may want to be there big, but God wants us to be there bigger. 
Don't ever doubt the size and the power of God. And don't, over dis, don't dismiss even the small acts that happen in our life. Because God does small things like they're big things. He's so good at that. When we trust God's call, we can trust his care. And we need to consider our path. What path are we on today? Think about the path of life you're on right now. And are you at a place where you can truly ask the Lord, is this where you really want me? Is this how you have called me to live my life? To be so real with God and so real with yourself that you offer it up to him with the thought, if it's not, then please get me on the path you want. Get me to where you want me to be. Consider your path. Do you want to go where God wants to take you? In 2003, I was approached to, uh, I was invited, my wife and I at that time, we didn't have children yet, asked to move to Jackson. I was on staff at a church, many of you know the story, to move here to one day become the pastor of this church. And at that time, I had no idea. I was like, I don't know. But what I will do is I will pray. We will pray. A year and a half into praying, God finally said, yeah, this is where you're supposed to go. And I've been asked more than how many times, are you sure this is where God called you to be? Because, you know, when you go through turbulent times, when you go through trying seasons, when you go through times of testing, and, you, and you're at a place where, you were, where you're following the Lord, and, you're, and you go through that, that thought will cross your mind. Am I really doing what God wants me to do? Because I sure am going through a whole lot. God, are you sure this is where you want me? And every time I was like, you know, I feel and I believe that when you gave me the answer, whenever that was, to pick up and move, that I would stay. I would not quit. I would not, I would, I would not abandon until you, unless you said it's time to do something else. And you know, I got to tell you, that, that, year and a half of praying was probably one of the, that felt like an eternity because I was like surely God can make up his mind and let me know by now <laughs> but we also have to in trusting God's call we have to trust his time and for Joshua it was time and for some of us here today maybe online watching the time has come for you to make up your mind and decide I will go where God wants me I will live the life and travel the path Not my own road, but I will travel God's road. Let's look at the second one, verse 7. Make sure I get back to the right book. Joshua 1, verse 7. The Lord tells Joshua again, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Again, the Lord tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. And this is the second area of trust. Be strong and courageous to trust God's word. Trust God's word. We have the written word of God and we have the spoken word of God. And throughout scripture, it teaches us that God's word is alive, 
God's word is active. God's word guides us. His word will lead us. His word will empower us. His word will equip us. His word will convict us. His word will correct us. His word will change us. And the, and the Lord told him, hey, trust my word. And he tells him, obey it. Obey my word. Do what my word says. Look at this in Psalm 119, verse 9, out of the Passion Translation. He asked, how can a person, how can a young man stay pure? Only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth. I have longed for you with the passion of my heart. Don't let me stray from your directions. I consider your word to be my greatest treasure, and I treasure it in my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. Do we treasure what God says? If we treasure what God says, then we can trust what God says. And the Lord says, hey, when you trust my word, you actually need to obey it. You need to try to do what it says. Follow it. But then he also goes further and he tells them, hey, study this. Study this book that I've given you. Study it. Let's look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Right before Moses passed, he, he gave this command. 31 verse 10. Moses gave this command about the instruction of the of of the book he wrote. He says, At the end of every seventh year, the year of release, during the festival of shelters, you must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel when they assemble before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. Then he says, Call them all together, men, women, children, the foreigners living in your towns, so they may hear this book of instruction, so they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all of the terms of these instructions. Do this so that your children who have not known these instructions will hear them and will learn to fear the Lord your God. Do this as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Not only obey it, but study it, read it, make it known into your homes, make it known into your families, make it known to your children, make it known to all those around you. Take the time to study the Word of God. But then he also says, meditate on that. Meditate on the Word. That word meditate means to ponder it, means to think it, think about it, consider it. But it also carries this weight with it, this this meaning to talk through it out loud to yourself. Anybody talk to themselves? Sometimes I'll be walking through the house saying something, and Haley will be like, what'd you say? I'm just talking to myself. You know, sometimes we can see, we can feel like we're going crazy sometimes because we talk to ourselves, but meditation on God's Word is also implies talk it out loud with yourself. Does anybody just, you ever find yourself with that? With a, with a word, with a scripture, with a, with a story from the Bible. To meditate on it means to talk it out loud, but it also implies this, talk it out loud with others. Talk it out loud with others. Doesn't mean you've got to create a format of a Bible study every, every other week. It just means have conversation. Have conversation. 
It doesn't mean you put on your religious robe and face. And sister, I'm going to talk to you now about Scripture at this point of time at 11, 19 a.m. And the thing that the light of heaven has shown me as I read the Holy Word. No, just talk normal. Have a conversation with somebody else, another brother, another sister, a family member. The, when you meditate on God's Word, share a thought. And you'll, I, I think the more we do that, we'll be more encouraged. Because I'll have conversations with somebody and about something, and we'll be talking about a story or something out of the Word, and and they'll say something about it, a perception they had on it, an angle on it. And I'm like, wow, that's really good. And, like, man, I have never, ever, not that I should be the smartest person in the room. I should never think that at all. But sometimes you think you, you know a lot, right? Then you get around somebody else, and they know a lot, too. And you're like, hey, this is pretty cool that how the Holy Spirit will speak to me through conversation. That's meditating. It's not just mm, meditating. It's not only thinking it on your own, pondering it on your own internally, but also taking the time to kick it back and forth in conversation. Not being religious about it. Not trying to force anything. But conversation. In fact, Romans 10, Paul tells us, hey, he says... Your faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Our faith grows, our faith expands, our trust in God gets larger the more we're exposed to God's word and the more of God's word gets exposed to our hearts. We can, it is, it is impossible to have faith if the word of God does not get planted in your heart. Impossible. So you want your faith to grow? You want your trust to grow in the Lord? Here's how it works. There's no magic pill, no magic formula. It's just starting to read God's word. And in this day and age, when technology is flourishing at lightning speed, unless you have internet troubles, you can get a hold of God's Word so easy. It doesn't have to be leather-bound. It can be. It can be on your phone. Whatever way. I cannot, I cannot tell you enough. Find a way that works for you. I'm not the one that's going to tell you, do it this way, do it that way. We all have different schedules. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different things we're doing. But here's the deal. Find a way that works for you where you can build some consistency that gets your face into God's word. And here's the thing. Please don't beat yourself up and think you've got to read X amount of Scripture in X amount of hours over X amount of days. Take your time. Think about what you read. Meditate on it. Look up five different translations on it. On one Scripture, you'll be surprised 
how one scripture can have, it has the same meaning, but different words are used to help get it, the point across. Take your time with it. And I would implore you, if you've never done this before, find a reading plan that will take you through the Bible. I'm doing one now, but it's over two years. Reading the Bible over two years. I'm in, what are we in? Deuteronomy right now? Deuteronomy. Find a plan. If you've never done it before, find a plan that you can get on. Pick one that takes you five years. I don't care. You know what? God doesn't care either. He just wants to see that his children are getting in the truth. Getting in the word because the word of God is what will build your trust. The word of God is what will hold you, is what will put strength and confidence and courage on the inside of you. His word, and I'm about out of time. I got to move along. You guys okay with this? In fact, Paul says in Colossians 3, hey, let the word of Christ in all its richness make its home in you. Let the word of God make its home in you. Let it make its home in you. I don't have time to expound on that. I'd love to preach that, but I'll stop. Verse 9. Verse 9. The Lord says this, his third time to say, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The third area of trust is be strong and courageous to trust God's presence. To trust his presence. You know, if Moses taught Joshua a whole lot, but there's one important thing I believe he taught him that was pretty big, and that is he taught Joshua the value of God's presence. I've referred to this before, but check it out. In um, Exodus 33, verse... 11 said inside the tent of meeting the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend wow (laughs) meditate on that afterward Moses would return to the camp but the young man who assisted him Joshua would remain behind in the tent of meeting. I can't help but think Joshua sitting off to the side and he's watching Moses up in the front of this tent having this conversation with God. Moses and the Lord finish. Moses leaves. Joshua stays. And I can't help but imagine Joshua trembling inching his way a little closer, as close as he could get, wanting to have that same intimate conversation with God. Moses taught Joshua the value of the Lord's presence. In fact, it was demonstrated several times. Moses was, hey, Moses got irritated. Moses got mad. Moses got scared. Moses got afraid. Moses got confused. And many times you would see throughout the Exodus, Moses would go off to himself and he would look up to heaven and like, what do you want me to do now? I don't know what to do. Anybody ever feel like that sometimes? And he would say, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. If you're not, if you're not going then we're not going. And friends, that's the kind of walk we are called to have with the Lord. If we know God is with us, 
then go. If you know God has said yes to this or that, this job or this position or this relationship or this opportunity, if you haven't taken the time to at least ask God what he thinks, then friend, don't do it. Don't go there. I like to say it as simple as this. When in doubt, don't go out. If I, know, if I don't believe God has really released me in something, then I don't want to go that way because I don't want to find out, man, did I make the wrong choice here? Value and trust God's presence. In fact, the Scripture teaches us all throughout, if you will seek me, the Lord says, with all your heart, you will find me. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. There is no closer companion than a relationship with God. As close as I might think I am with the Lord, I am so far from Him. Because there are always moments where I know God wants me to get closer and closer and closer. Joshua so badly wanted to experience a new beginning, a freshness of God in his life, to change, to have a transition, for the past to be behind him. In order to do it, he had to trust that God was with him. Lastly, got time for this final one? All right. Verse 16 through 18 Joshua calls his people together, calls leaders together, and he tells them, hey, prepare yourself because we're about to cross over. I'm so confident that God is with us. I'm so courageous that God is with us. I have such belief that God is with us, and we're going to cross over, and we're going to do this thing. And he calls his people together, and look at what they tell him in verse 18. It says, um, anyone who rebels against you and not obey you, they're not going to make it. But then he says this, they tell, the people tell Joshua, you be strong and courageous. This last area of trust, of transition, of change, of a new beginning, to live as the Joshua generation is to be strong and courageous, to trust God's people that he puts in your life. To trust God's people that he puts in your life. You know, no matter how strong we may be, we always need each other in the body of Christ. No matter how isolated or lonely we may feel, God has others there for us. And no matter what, God calls us to community. I'd like to reference one of Paul's final statements that he made. He's in prison. He knows his time's coming to an end. And it's 2 Timothy 4. You can follow it on the screen. He writes this, these words. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. He said, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. And he has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And bring Mark with you when you come. 
he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tachikas to Ephesus. And when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also, bring my books, especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. But the Lord will judge him for what he has done. But you be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. You can hear in Paul's writing the longing for the people God had put in his life. We're going to find ourselves in life we're on top of the world where it seems. We're on the peak. And the temptation is going to be, I don't really need anybody. I'm good. I'm stronger than I've ever been. More well off than I've ever been. Coasting. We're also going to find our life where we are in the valley. Paul had done everything the Lord had called him to do. And here he was about to, he was about to die. It was about to be over. What did he want? People. People. We have to be able to trust the people God puts in our life. We don't need to build walls. We don't need to build all these impossible boundaries that we put up to protect ourselves from others. The best, outside of Jesus Christ entering my life, the next best thing was the people. Opening my life up to the people of God. None of us would be where we are without God's people. And today as we end, I'd like to call us to a moment of reflection to consider our path. Where's our life going? Who's on this path with us? Because I believe the time has come for us to be able to trust God so much so that He will move our life forward where He wants it to go. As scary, as intimidating, as you put the adjective in there about life sometimes, we'll take all that and acknowledge it and give it to the Lord. It's so amazing how the Holy Spirit will deposit and and, and build such strength, such courage in us to trust the Lord. He's got our life. I don't have to try to force it and make it. He's going to make it. He's going to do it. 
He's going to bring it, bring it about the way he wants. We can trust God. You can trust God. You can depend on him. You can trust him today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we end.